Hey, we have a 10-minute speaker. I found out about a really dramatic experience that Trisha Trosclair had, and I'm going to let her tell you about it. Then we're going to speak based on that, and I'm going to believe it's going to be a time of, more, of healing. Not a time of mourning, but this time this morning of healing. What she went through was pretty serious. But anyway, Trisha, welcome Trisha. She's uh, got a powerful testimony. Thank you. Hey, good morning. I've got my notes in huge print. Hallelujah. <laughs> Although, you know, it's a testimony, so I don't need notes. But I'm prone to rabbit trails, so this is for your benefit as well as mine. Hold on one second. Tom, I might need that box of Kleenex, just saying. I'm about to open up my guts and pour them out all over. And uh, I just thank you for your forgiveness if I say something wrong and for your love um, and listening with your heart and not your head. Um, the first reason I'm up here at all was um, David Hogan was here a couple of weeks ago. And he was speaking. And at first I was in the back of the church. And then all of a sudden the Lord said, you get down in the front. This is for you. And he started talking about places that he had been invited that weren't quite matching what he thought or he didn't agree with their, some of the things in their church, but that the Lord told him he could stand outside and throw rocks or he could come inside and be a part of of the healing and a part of the ministry and do something. So I invite those who have been hurt by their church or hurt by someone in their church. Um, and I invite you to come back in and stop the rock throwing and come on in. I want to first thank you for forgiveness, Dave and Shirley, because when that, that hit my heart, I immediately, when I realized that I was rock throwing, I messaged Dave and Shirley and I told them, and it really communicates. Doesn't that communicate? So simple. So, and they immediately forgave me for, you know, for being hurt and for standing on the outside. And this church has done nothing wrong to me. This church has been a blessing. And um, I just, somebody up in the upper management, you could say, and I had something that didn't go right and I felt hurt. And then eventually the enemy use that to pull me further and further away from people that I love here. So when I went to David Hogan's conference, you all loved me and hugged me. And so that, that gets me here today. But what David, what I shared with David um, is my testimony um, about forgiveness. And forgiveness appears 95 times in the King James. So I'm gonna read all those 95, no, just kidding. <laughs> you read them. This is interactive, get home and read it. Um, but there's something, you know, there's things that we do that we know or somebody does that, you know, you know you have to forgive them, but have you ever had forgiveness that you didn't know? And that's what I'm gonna share with you today about this, you know, we glorify God and it says that we're wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So I want us to be harmless as doves, but I want us to be wise as serpents. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, I lived in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I grew up in Lafayette, Louisiana. That's what we say back there. <laughs> and uh, I was working in restaurants as a young girl. Uh, first, I started hostessing and then waitressing. I just love hospitality. It's my thing. And um, my sister, Barbara, lived across town. 
And my mom came and she was visiting my sister. And um, my mom grew up, grew, raised six kids, so she was a professional mom, you know, amen. <laughs> and um, mom was staying with my sister Barbara. And um, my sister Barbara's husband was a policeman, just kind of painting a scene here for you. So Barbara's husband had a, a, they called it a breakdown, but nobody told us what it was. And he had come back from the hospital and he was sitting on the couch and picked up my mom. We were going to see Yentl. That kind of gives you a period of Barbara Streisand Yentl. And she said, honey, something's wrong. She said, lights on, but nobody's home. You know, nobody's home. And immediately I thought he could kill them. But I'd been taught to renew my mind and kick out negative things. So I said, in my mind, I said, that happens in the movies. So then later on, um, this is where my notes come in handy because I get all choked up. Later on, um, I was talking to my mom on the phone. I was getting ready for work. And another thought came to me, go across town and pick up mom. But that didn't make sense. I was on my way to work. And she said, oh, honey, I'm fine. She was going from babysitting, um, being the professional mom. She babysat someone that my sister knew that had a newborn, and she was on the way home. So she said, that's okay. I'm taking a cab, and I'll be fine. Um, so I finished getting dressed because I was getting dressed while we were talking, and I go to work. And in to where I work, we're always seeing policemen because they were like, in the French Quarter, there was one on every corner. So we were all friends with them. They would come whenever we needed uh, backup. And um, this policeman came in. I thought nothing of it. And the bartender pointed at me, and they called me over. I was like, ooh, what did I do? <laughs> I couldn't have parked wrong because I didn't have a car. Um, so he called me over, and he asked me out to a quiet place in the courtyard. And he said, do you know Alma, Trosclair, and Barbara Miller? And I said, yes, sir. And he says, um, well, they're dead. This was my mom and my big sister. Tom wears his Kleenex. <laughs> um, so immediately, I, I, you know, what do you do with that kind of information? You, huh? What? Imagine yourself. Your mom, your sister, and all of a sudden somebody's telling you this. So the strangest thing happened. I turned to the police officer and I said, this is going to hit me in a minute, but I just want to say thank you because I know this has got to be the hardest part of your job. Where did that come from? I don't know. must have been the Lord. So anyway, um, let's just say my life turned upside down and, you know, I was, um, I went through the whole the stages and everything, but... I thought I bounced back pretty good. You know, I was a happy person. I was, you know, I'd go to parties and my life went on. But I didn't know that something was still wrong. I didn't know what, what the enemy had done to me in that moment. So flash over here to Joyce Meyer's uh, conference in Greensboro. And we're singing along with the worship. And I, this is where I learned that worship is so important but I'm singing how the devil's under my feet at this conference. And, you know, years have passed, and I started crying. It was ugly. I'm not getting into that here, thank God. But, I mean, the boogers were flowing. It was gross. <laughs> I was by myself, so I turned the lady next to me, and I said, What's wrong with me? 
I grew up Catholic and I uh, got born again in a Baptist church. Nothing like this ever happened in those situations. So this was new. And she said, ask God what he's trying to show you. And I kind of knew it because Joyce had talked earlier about going to prisons. And when she said prisons, I got mad at her. Why am I getting mad at her? So anyway, I realized that I was supposed to forgive the guy that murdered my mom and sister. What? I, what? You don't forgive stuff like that. I mean, I, I had this fit between God and I. The music's playing along. And here's Trisha arguing with God. It was kind of a teenage parent conversation, you know. Um, I've, I felt the word forgive come up. And I said, no, you, you don't know what he did. You don't know what I've been through. And how many could say you don't argue with God? That's a one-way conversation. So when he said nothing back, I said, fine, I'll forgive him. But not because I want you, because you said so. I was just going to obey and see if it worked. But you know our God, you got to say it with your mouth, don't you? You got to, you know, just like you confess Jesus, you have to say. So I stood there, everybody else having a great old time worshiping. I'm having this train wreck going on in my heart. And I had to say, I forgive CJ Miller. And this weight came off me. Y'all ever go to the dentist and they put that lead vest on you? That's, it was a physical weight. It just came off of me. And I was like, what was that? And y'all all know what it was. But I didn't know. I didn't know I had, I didn't know I had to forgive him. He did it. He did something really bad. You know, he really, he trashed my life. He killed my mom. He killed my sister. Why do I got to forgive him? What, you know, it, it didn't make sense to me. But how many of you know that God knew that I had, unfor- I didn't know I had unforgiveness. I didn't know. So how was I supposed to get rid of it if I didn't know? Well, I feel like the Holy Spirit did heart surgery right there in that place. And he showed me that you have to forgive him. And once I forgave him, next thing you know, my life started prospering. You know, it says, even as your soul prospers, my life started prospering. I I got an incredible business. I was in the New York Times, the Chicago Sun-Times with my business. It was prospering for years. And it was like the blessings were in a hose. They were waiting to come to me. I had my foot on it. The unforgiveness, you've got your foot on it. You're blocking your own prayers because you're holding unforgiveness. So say you go home for Christmas and your sister doesn't make that casserole like mom made it, and then all of a sudden you feel this stupid anger get up in you, or somebody rearranged the Christmas tree bulbs that you had put on. Come on. What I'm trying to say, especially right now in this season, is number one, we have to forgive. We have to forgive. But there might be something you don't realize you have. I didn't know I had it, but the Lord showed me. So what I want you to do is to think about somebody you don't forgive right now. I want to think, when you think about, my goodness, say you live in a neighborhood with an HOA and the guy across the street's dog came at you, or they didn't vote the way you wanted them to vote, or, or you know, you have a sister who 
who always talks about you, you know, and, and thinks she's better. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I want you to think about it. And I want you to put it in your hand. And I want you to release it. I want you to give it to God. The second time, I'll make this one quicker. Years later, I got divorced. And it ripped my heart out again. And some wrong was done to me. And my child was trying to be taken from me. And my, my ex was doing things that hurt me so bad. And the Lord had me forgive again. He said, forget. But God, you just see what he's doing? You just, this, is, this isn't fair. But you don't argue. You got to forgive again. I forgave him. And my daughter goes to horse shows. And we're at a horse show one day. And this lady next to us says, oh, is that your husband? I said, no, it's my ex. And she goes, that's your ex. You're so nice to him. I said, I forgave. The Lord showed me how to forgive. That lady goes around the horse place telling everybody what an awesome couple we are and that how I forgave. She's proclaiming what forgiveness does. She had a daughter that they had fights in between that, that husband and, and it ruined their ex. Let me just say, no matter what it is, you don't have the right to hold unforgiveness. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, because they know not. We have no idea what a burning, corrosive acid that unforgiveness is. And who is it hurting? It wasn't hurting C.J. Miller in jail that I didn't forgive him. It wasn't. It was tearing up my life. So that's what I wanted to, to say was, you know, to thank David Shirley for forgiving me to thank David Hogan for speaking what the Lord had said to him. But I also want, God, y'all, this holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, people go home and there's more domestic violence and arguments and police called. I mean, I don't think that would be of y'all, but there's people that you're ministering to that, that things are so boiling. I mean, it gets to the holidays, it just explodes. Preach forgiveness, encourage people to forgive. Talk to people about forgiveness and, and just try to let them see that you're not, you know, you're not drinking that poison and hurting the other person. You're hurting yourself. And I just want to speak all those 95 verses. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just trying to find. So I forgave CJ and my life changed. I got my foot off the hose and God started to prosper my soul and my business and Right now, my ex-husband and I are good friends, and my daughter is so healthy. That, that would have been the tragedy. It's through our divorce if we would have hurt her and been a bad example of unforgiveness to her. But if you know my daughter, she is, she's, she's the bomb. Wikipedia says that forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings. Let me say here, I wasn't the victim. My sister and my mom were. So that was the confusing part. I mean, I was mad about it, but, but I, I guess I was. I was collateral damage. So it says, uh, undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense. Let's go of negative emotions such as resentment, vengeance, and with an increased ability to wish the offender well. My brother-in-law was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic, and nobody told us. 
Nobody told us he was on medication that as soon as it wore off that he would become violent. But how many of us have seen those newspaper articles with the look in the eye where there's nobody there? My mom saw it and I believe the Lord tried to tell me twice, um, tried to warn me. Yeah, I believe he tried to warn them as well. But I thank God now, once I learned about Morning Star and learned about the prophetic that I could hear from God, I don't, you don't know how much, I mean, first it was something I blamed myself because I didn't go over and pick her up. I blame, you know, I felt like I could have saved her, but the Lord, you know, showed me, he said, you'd have been a part of it. You know, he was a Taekwondo specialist and a policeman, you know, a little Trisha's sweep, kick and push probably wouldn't have had a big <laughs> impact on that. Um, but there, there's mental illness and there's people that mental illness is an open door from the demonic and I don't want to get off on that. But when, whenever you have a chance, whenever you see somebody that is struggling with mental illness, just know that they are, they're an open door and you want to pray for them. You want to bless them. And even if they don't receive it, you know, just pray for them and, and be a part of the solution. I bless my brother-in-law right now. This is my first time doing this. CJ, I bless you. And I'm sorry the enemy used you to hurt our family. And I want you to prosper. I want you to be like Paul where the people look at you and once you were a murderer, but now you shine for God. I bless my ex-husband. I do that all the time. He's a good dad. But uh, I believe that 70 times 7, I believe that that means we have to continue to forgive because sometimes the hurt is so bad, one time doesn't get it. So 70 times 7, you know, those, those who I've hurt, I apologize to those of you who I've hurt. If I've spoke bad about you or your church, I apologize. Um, but I just want to say... Um, Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us. And thank you, God, for the grace that we can, in turn, forgive others. Jimmy didn't hold up his hand to tell me when 10 minutes is up. So <laughs> thank you all for listening. But go to Deuteronomy chapter 29, and I'm going to share some things to follow up on Trisha's testimony. And we'll pray. I just really felt an anointing in this place. Wouldn't it be just like God to do this when you're not even, I mean, we're expectant, but God does things beyond our expectation, above and beyond what we could ask or think. But anyway, two scriptures. First one, Deuteronomy 29, so that there may be not among you, man or woman, or family or tribe, whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there be, may not be among you a root bearing, what? Bitterness or wormwood. And that refers to a poisonous plant. Bitterness can be like poison. And it also speaks of a curse. And so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace 
even though I follow the dictates of my heart, as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. You know, the dictates of the heart. Remember that scripture we discovered, we ran upon, it says, a fool trusts in his heart. So we don't want to trust the dictates of our heart. We want to trust the word of our God. There's something greater than our heart. It's what God says in the word. And there's some people that follow the dictates of their heart. They say they have peace, but there really is no peace. And this is what he's speaking, this root of bitterness. And then over in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down, verse 12, 12, 12, and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will what? See the Lord. So we're going to be a ministry that preaches holiness. Not some religious holy thing that looks holy. It's going to have to be he that is holy living through us. It's the only way I know. But we're going to declare it because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. How many of you would agree we don't want to fall short of the grace of God, especially in this hour? There are things going to happen now. We're not going to get a second chance. Yes, forgiveness, there'll be things, he'll pick us up. But there are things happening now in this nation. You got to get it the first go round. You're going to have to, we got to have the grace of God. We're not going to fall up short here. And here's one way that can happen. Lest any root of bitterness, poison, same the word, springing up causes trouble. And by this, many become defiled. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would just, Lord, help us to grab hold of this testimony that Tricia has. Lord, how many people have these kind of testimonies we never hear anything about? The journeys of the saints. And Lord, I don't know if we'll get them all in or not in this life, but I thank you they'll be, somehow it'll be recorded, these incredible testimonies of the saints. Maybe we'll get to read that book in eternity. I don't know, but... Lord, thank you for this incredible time we're living and for the, that your grace is sufficient. Amen. I woke up, what day was it? It wasn't Thanksgiving Day. It had to be Friday. And this theme was in my mind, this phrase, the fight of the century. The fight of the century. So, you know, like I looked it up because I remembered what they called the fight of the century. So I looked it up, and it was the great boxing match between Joe Frazier, March the 8th, 1979. How many of you remember? Joe Frazier, what was he, 23-0, and 15 Ks, knockouts, or something like that. And it was amazing. And he was fighting, you know, Muhammad Ali, formerly known as Cassius Clay. And he was something like 31-0 and 20-something knockouts. So this was the fight of the century and they it was you know they blew it up it became a worldwide thing. It was so of course the theatrics were amazing. I remember those days. But it was so in worldwide published that even in Northern Ireland where they had rioting going on and political unrest they came to a truce. It wasn't an official truce. It was a truce because they went home to watch TV. They wanted to watch the fight between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier.
And it, was, it went neck to neck, or no, they say toe to toe, right? 15 rounds. And then Joe Frazier, when it was all said and done, won by unanimous decision. So I watched that. And I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, you've entered to a time where this really is the fight of the century. Are you ready? Because Joe Frazier, I saw, he actually hesitated in the 11th round. And they said when they looked back, he probably could have won, but he hesitated. He waited. And then he had to go throughout the 15 rounds. And I know the Lord's talking about the nation, the war that's going on for our freedom, the war on truth, the war on morality, the war against our children, the war on family, the war on marriage, unborn, you name it. But really, today is not about that. That's going to happen. I mean, it's good. Listen, that's where we are from now on. You understand, 2020 is going to be a year of revival and warfare. How many of you know that? Both. We're going to enjoy the move of God, but we're going to, we're in the world, we're just not of it. And the devil is not going to flee because we get mad. Resist it, no, draw near to God. Resist the devil, then he will flee. But one of the greatest battles people will face will be the battle against bitterness and unforgiveness. So we had to get, we have to get done. We got to get over. And I think there's something in the spirit realm too, this region. So we want to speak the word because his word never returns void. So things have to be broken. And, um, you know, you can, you got to learn to overcome. We've got to overcome it. Things in this life will either make you bitter or they'll make you what? Better. Things that happen to you will either lead to your tombstone or they'll be stepping stones into the purposes of God. One or the other, you, you can go to the, you can go on down to Forest Lawn or you can be about the great purpose for which you've been brought into this life. You know, some of you will remember that fight. It was really theatrical and Muhammad Ali, he would say, I float like a butterfly and I sting like a bee. Remember that? Well, that's what bitterness and unforgiveness will do to you. It'll sting you and you'll become laid up. Shipwrecked, paralyzed. So we want to go after the bitterness, which will release you from the poison, because that's what the word means, and from unforgiveness, which will get you out of prison. Because that's what unforgiveness will do to you. It'll toss you in where you can't get out. So I'm going to just look at the scriptures. Go to Matthew 18. We looked at this last week. Matthew 18, verse 21. Or we didn't look at it. We just referred to it, actually. But today I felt like it's important to follow up and just speak the word and let the word just do what, um, what the word, only the word of God can do. Everybody has an opinion. I'm not that interested in the opinions of men. You know, they might encourage you for a moment. I don't know. But the word of our God is what I'm most wanting to hear. What is God saying? And so let's speak at this in verse 18. Matthew 18, verse 21. So let's just read through this. You guys with me? So we're just we're going to get in the word now. Verse 21. Then Peter came, said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Up to seven times. And Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven, but up to 70 times seven. And Tricia explained this well, how that it means to continually, 
offer forgiveness. And this is a parable about the kingdom. So therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. It's always the kingdom parables is about King Jesus. And so we understand we're the subjects in this who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, this is a real-life situation that's happening here. To settle accounts. How many of you know the Bible says one day we're going to have to settle accounts? We're all going to be accountable. I guess that's probably why the Lord, why the world doesn't want to hear our message. And much of the church doesn't want to hear our message. Because they don't want to know they're going to be held accountable. Well, I'll just give you what the Word says. For example, Matthew 12. Let me just read. It says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to hear what's in somebody's heart? Just listen to what they say, right? A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account in the day of judgment. By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now Jesus said that. That's a serious Account. We'll be called to account one day to give an account every word, every idle word we spoke. That's why it probably says be swift to hear and slow to speak. It'd be better for a lot of us just to remain quiet. And then Luke 16, he also said to his disciples, there's a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. The accuser of the brethren showed up. So he called him and said, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. So the second thing is we're going to be accountable as stewards for those things that he placed in our lives. Resources, relationships. I'm going to stand and give an account one day as to how, how I acted as a father, as a brother, you know, sometimes I want to be a little soft with my brother in Louisiana because his, his wife, you know, is a politician. And, uh, you know, I want to try to tell him and not so that stir up too much fire because she's more on the liberal side. But at the same time, I, you know, I know I want to be loving, but truth, if you really love, tell the truth. And so... You know, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you get home and you, you're trying your best not to cause some eruption between your liberal family members. You're trying to, I don't know if there's going to be middle ground or not. Jesus said, in these days, either you're for me or you're against me. That's it. It's not going to be any way you can get along in here, I mean, especially if you think about it, brother's going to deliver brother to death, sister, mother-in-law, children to father, father. How's that going to happen? Because people are going to walk the, the way they've been called to walk, right or left, not in the middle. The moderates get nowhere in this life. You've got to take a stand. But we're going to be responsible for relationships and responsibilities. We're going to be held to stewardship. And then verse 14, but why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand, say all, before the judgment seat of Christ. 
As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself. Therefore, let us not judge one another, it says, and goes on. And I was just thinking how we played that game when we were little boys and girls, musical chairs. You know, the girls would lose out because the guys would just demand their way. You know, we just, tough luck, baby. I ain't giving that seat up to you. You know, I mean, I'm sitting there. I want to win the game. Then we realize later, no, if you're a real gentleman, you'll give them your seat. But if you give them your seat, you're out of the game. I don't know about that. But I know one seat we're all going to sit in. Every one of us, there is a chair reserved. You'll be forced to sit in that seat. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. We all will appear before the judgment seat. Well, one of the things is the words we spoke, the deeds done in the body, what we did when we, we, we didn't, the things we didn't do, we could have done. I think I've shared before, was it Corey Ten Boom that said, when the, the thing I fear the most is when I get to heaven, I'm going to find out how I lived in poverty in view of all the wealth that I could have had, but I didn't believe. And then, you know, our motives, we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And then Hebrews 13, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they will watch for your souls as those who must give an account. And let them do so with joy and not with grief. And so that reminds me, if it, you know, I'm going to have an, I'm going to give an accounting for the time that I occupied this pulpit. I'll stand before God, no one else. And he will say it's time to, to give an account. And then First Peter, that we should no longer live the rest of our time in the lust for men, but for the will of God. For we spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the, the Gentiles. We walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you no longer walk with them anymore in this same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Let's go on. Let me read the rest of this and just stay in the Scripture. Verse 24, And when he had begun to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. If you look that up, it's a lot of money. And the, the gold is, is guard. What did I see? 11.1 billion. But also I saw something about 119 million. Depends on how you measure that. It's a whole lot of money. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. I remember that when we lived in Mobile, remember, Shirley, the children's resale shop? It was a little shop somewhere, and one day Josh did something that wasn't the best or whatever. He got in trouble, and we were driving. He was picking on Emily. So we drove by the children's resale shop. We said, hey, Josh, you see that shop? <laughs> he got really scared. <laughs> yes, yes, but anyway, we, we weren't going to resell him, but um, every time we would drive by that children's resale shop, you know, we'd, anyway, he didn't scare him to death because he still picked on his sister and we didn't sell him. But this is this guy. So anyway, verse 26, the children or the servant, therefore, fell down before a master. 
have patience with me. Patience. And, and I will pay you. In other words, he wasn't trying to get out of the debt. I know where you're going to pay that much money. But anyway, he's, he was not trying to get out. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him of the debt, which means he didn't have to pay. That's compassion. That's love. But that servant went out, the one that just got forgiven. That servant went out, found his fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii. And that's nothing compared to 10,000 talents. Just a few measly dollars, a couple hundred dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, have patience with me. Give me time and I will pay you all. He wasn't trying to get out of it, but he would not. He went and threw him into prison till he should pay all the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved. They came and told their master, Jesus, they came to the master, all that he had done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Remember that song we used to sing? He forgave a debt. No. He forgave a debt he did not owe. You know, and I had a debt I couldn't pay. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay every last cent that he owed. And that's not what it says, but it might as well mean it. The word, and we've looked at this before, the torturers speaks of pain, toil, to be vexed and to be tossed about. So, verse 35, my heavenly Father will also do to you if they speaking to who? Disciples. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That's serious. The parables are not just to read and then explain them away. It's the kingdom living. For thus is the kingdom of God. It's how the kingdom of God operates. So let's look at some other scriptures about forgiveness. Psalm 86, 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. In other words, he is ready to forgive us. Not guilty. That's what I would rather hear on that day, wouldn't you? And uh, I want to be pardoned. What did I see? The president pardoned a turkey from an owner in North Carolina. A turkey farmer in North Carolina, his turkey got pardoned. He's abundant in mercy. When you get, you deserve the opposite. We deserve the opposite. But he gave us mercy and forgiveness is given to all who call upon him. Remember the scripture, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Another one, Jeremiah 31. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least to the greatest, says the Lord. And I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Now, what does that say about forgiveness? Not only does he forgive, but he what? He forgets. People don't forget. I don't know if it's possible for people to forget, but God forgets. He tosses our sin as far as the east 
is from the West. Isaiah 43, I, even I, he who blots out your transgression for my sake, and I will not remember your sin. Now, that's a loving God. Doesn't even remember. So why are you reminding him of it? <laughs> you know what I mean. Don't remind him. He's not going to remember. Daniel 11, or Daniel 9. Oh, my God, incline your ear and open your ears and see your, our desolation and the city. Or the nation which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplication because of our righteousness, but because of your mercy. That's what I, that should be our prayer. God, we're America, remember America, not because of our righteousness, but because of your mercies. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people that are called by your name. So in other words, forgiveness is not earned. It's really the mercy of God. It's an act of God. We need an act of God. Forgiveness is an act of God. That's what that scripture says. We need another act of God to sweep the land, to release the forgiveness of God. And one of the acts of God in these days is going to be forgiveness from some of the most horrendous and unbelievable crimes. The crimes of the century have been committed in our hour. But God's grace is greater if we come to him. Be merciful to me, a sinner, and he will. Remember Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those our debtors. And so to be forgiven, we must forgive. What if you hang on to it? You will be tossed into a prison and you'll probably be poisoned by the bitterness. For if you, Jesus said in Matthew 6, for if you forgive, forgive men their trespasses, your father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. And then Psalm 103, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? How many of you can remember where somebody would get to write names on the board? You know, they, at school, if you did anything bad, they'd write your name up there. Seems like one time we had a recess and my name was up there. Seems like when I walked by, I tried to erase it, but... <laughs> it didn't work if I remember. I think I got caught. And then my name got up there twice. But there's a scripture that says, Lord, if you should mark inequities, if you put my name on your board, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you. That's what the scripture says, that you may be feared. Acts 26, to Jesus commissioning Paul, to whom I now send you to open the eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So in other words, forgiveness is received, but also forgiveness not only gets us out of prison, it opens the door to the inheritance we've been called to. An inheritance waiting for you if you just release the one that has sinned against you. Then Colossians 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And we know the scripture speaks about that without the shedding of blood, there will be no remission or forgiveness. Billy Graham, here's what he said. He said, man has two great spiritual needs. One is for forgiveness and the other is for the goodness 
And that's what God's goodness is to us who receive his forgiveness. It's God's goodness. D.L. Moody said, the voice of sin is loud, but the voice of forgiveness is louder. It's like the voice of sin. It says, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. What are you going to do? What, what defense do you have? I am, but it's not the end of the story. Because the cross shouts, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. But you have to run to the cross. So there are two forms of forgiveness we wanted just to speak on today. First is our forgiveness for others. Here's some things I wrote down. It's a choice. It's a choice. You can hold on to it if you want to. It sounds like Tricia could have held on to that. I remember the time that God was dealing with me with someone that hurt me deeply. I just made a choice. I didn't feel like it. I just, I don't even know, maybe I said, God, I don't really feel like it. I don't know what I said, but I said, by faith, I make a choice. God, give me the grace to forgive. He did. It was, it was a choice. And he gave me the grace. I didn't fall short. Sometimes you have to make a choice and then your heart, your emotions will catch up, right? You know what I'm talking about. The injustices that come. Jesus said, forgive them, Father. And then also, it's an act of obedience because we see it in the word. Forgive them seven times seven, 70. It's an act of love. It's conditional love. If you love, you'll meet, you know, those conditions. It's not about your, whether you do what I think is right. I love you because God loves you. Because I'm called to love you. And then it's the evidence that we trust in God over man. When you harbor unforgiveness, what you're saying is, that man is elevated, or that woman, I've elevated them to a place where only God should be elevated to because I'm putting trust in them in their hurt rather than the God who can work regardless of the hurt. He's still God. And it's not the person that hurt me. And it's, all, it's also it's opportunity to take up our cross and follow him. Refuse the offense and take up the cross. Because the cross is where all offenses were taken anyway. And then we have to just let go. And then, of course, we know there's the forgiveness that he showed toward us. But first, I want to make sure we have, and then we'll get the second one. I want to make sure there's no unforgiveness or bitterness, no poison, and no one's in prison in this place this morning. We want to make sure we release things we can't even remember, maybe. I don't know how all that works. I just know the blood of Jesus is greater. The cross covered it. His sacrifice. There's no longer a sacrifice for sin. What are you going to do to add to it? You run to the cross. And so I'm going to make sure that there's forgiveness from any bitterness today. Is that okay if we do that? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. And then we're going to just ask him to release forgiveness, make a choice. Because I have a feeling he would not have allowed this to be set up like it was unless he had some purpose in mind. Because we've got to run this hour. We've got to run. We can't let anything hold us back. 2020 is going to be full speed ahead. The warfare is going to be too intense to have you fool around with something you should have been free from many years ago. Or me. Does You know what I'm talking about. 
So, Lord, I thank you, God, that your word is your word. It never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which you send it. And so, Lord, we ask now for the grace of God. We ask for the Holy Spirit to search us, try us, see if there any be any wicked way within us. Bring back to our memories the things that we have yet to surrender and release others from where there's any bitterness where there's any poison and where there's any unforgiveness, that we could be loosed from that. And I thank you that the torturers will lose their power today according to this parable of the kingdom. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Just pray now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. So we're just going to respond to that if... If you've held any bitterness or any unforgiveness toward anyone that the Holy Spirit's brought back to your memory, just stand where you are. We're just going to release that, break it off of you, break off the torturers, and you're going to be free. Don't miss the opportunity if the Holy Spirit's pinpointed something. Let this be a day of deliverance, a day of salvation, a day of mercy, a day of forgiveness. We're going to release it. I have a feeling if you get the poison out of your body, healing might be able to operate a whole lot easier. It would only make sense to me. So, Lord, right now, just, just release it. Just, I release that person. I release that experience. I release you. Release myself. I just release anyone involved where there's been any bitterness. I ask you, Holy Spirit, take it out of my heart. I make a choice by faith to forgive and release. And Lord, I also pray now that forgiveness would flow. Forgiveness for those who have forgiven. And let there be healing. And in the name of Jesus, I break the power of every torturing demonic spirit that would have any access. Now your power is broken in the name of Jesus and by the shed blood of Jesus when he has been risen from the dead. So we command those torturers to go. You have no more access. You're gone. Be gone in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray now for release of healing and restoration, reformation, and that these would run the race set before them with endurance. They would not fall short of the grace of God in this hour. So thank you. We release that. We receive it by faith. God, I remember how it was. I didn't know if I truly had done it, but when I made a choice, the grace of God picked up the slack and so, God, I thank you now. The emotions will follow. There'll be forgiveness. We ask you to bless. Let's bless those. They just speak blessing like Tricia did. Just bless whatever that was. Whoever did something. We bless them. We do not curse them. We loose them from any curse. We bless them. We pray your highest and your best be accomplished in their lives. We release them to that, Lord. 
We thank you. Now, Lord, over this atmosphere, I felt this morning, this is not only just for us, but there's something in the atmosphere, offenses or something. We just release those, Lord, anyone that's spoken, judged, cursed, whatever. Thank you. There's no place for curse among those whom you bless. So we thank you for the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for the anointing that's present right now, Lord, to take care of these things. Lord, let the airwaves be cleared over this place, over Moravian Falls, Wilkes County, North Carolina. Lord, even our nation. God. Let repent. We also know, Lord, you taught us there's no forgiveness without repentance. So we pray there'll be a release of repentance over the nation. The spirit of repentance, the good, which is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. We pray for that to sweep our land from coast to coast, God. Lord, those that have been stung by the bee, Lord, let them be loosed, let them be healed. Let them be delivered this day, God. Do it, Lord Jesus. God, I feel like we're part of the great cloud of witnesses right now. We're in the stands cheering on the Son of Man for what He's about to do in this hour. He's going to be glorified in this nation. Not about a man or woman or ministry. It's about the Lord Jesus Himself, the Son of God and the Son of Man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we shout your name over this nation. We shout your name over Washington, D.C. We shout your name even over those impeachment hearings. We declare that Jesus reigns. God, let the plans of man be spoiled and let the will of God be promoted. Rise up, O oh God, and scatter your enemies. Make a public spectacle of them just like Jesus did at the cross. We thank you for your mercies. Thank you, God. Lord, I, if these guys feel like I feel, we're running this year. We're going to run like we ain't never run before. Ain't nothing going to discourage us. We are going to run the race. How many of you with me? We're going to run the race. We're going to run the race. This is, this is what you've been created for. Now, before we leave, one more thing. Some people may need forgiveness from God because they've sinned. They've never repented and they want to come to him. So everybody sit down a second, if you don't mind. Anybody in here need a savior? Anybody say, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't even know if I'm saved. I appreciate this word. But if I don't even know the word, how's this going to apply to me? So I want to know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I want to know, would you pray for me? Maybe you've fallen away. You were close to him, but now you feel 100,000 miles. Is anybody, anybody, maybe somebody watching? We're always going to pray because somebody's going to be watching. One day we get to heaven and say, you know, when you prayed that prayer, I was watching from 10 buck two. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And guess what he did with my life? I became the next Billy Graham or whatever. Oh, I think it's Billy Graham's and all of us. I don't know that there'll be those champions like that. I think we all have the keys. That's another story. So if you want to know Jesus, just, just pray, let's all pray this out loud. Just say, dear God. And you pray it in meaning if right now, if you're watching or you're in this room, you need a Savior, 
And he's drawing you. This can't happen because you just decide, well, I think I'll trust in Jesus. No, he has to draw you. There's the conviction of sin and the drawing of the Holy Spirit. So, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life. He died and he rose from the dead. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I put my trust in the resurrection of Jesus and the blood that he shed for me. And I thank you by faith. As I call upon your name, I shall be saved. Me and my household. And I thank you for salvation. And I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with power and the fire of God. And for the rest of my life, use me to bring Jesus and the Father great glory in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I thank you that whoever calls on your name shall be saved. The mouth we confess and with the heart we believe. God raised Jesus from the dead. And I thank you, I believe. And I receive. Thank you, Lord.